0: You're listening to a podcast by the Center for Action and Contemplation. To learn more, visit cac.org.
1: Our desire is to honor and share the best parts of the Christian contemplative traditions so that this collective wisdom might serve the flourishing of humanity, all beings, and all of creation. My name is Ben Kesey, and I lead the development team at the Center for Action and Contemplation. I want to thank all of you who are generous donors giving freely and cheerfully to make this work possible. If you've been impacted by these podcast conversations and are inspired to invest in the future of CAC's mission and work, twice per year we invite your financial support. To contribute, go to CAC.org slash donate to make a gift. Thank you so much. Welcome to season two of Another Name for Everything. Casual conversations with Richard Rohr, responding to listener questions from his new book, The Universal Christ, and from Season 1 of this podcast.
0: As mentioned previously, this podcast is recorded on the grounds of the Center for Action and Contemplation, and may contain the quirky sounds of our neighborhood and setting. We are your hosts. I'm Bree Stoner.
1: And I'm Paul Swanson.
0: We're staff members of the Center for Action and Contemplation, and students of this contemplative path trying our best to live the wisdom of this tradition amidst juggling jobs, waiting in line for the Avengers movie, and the shifting state of our world.
1: This is the fifth of 12 weekly episodes. Today, we're tackling your questions on the theme of non-duality, including and transcending in relationships, community, and religion. We split this theme into two episodes. This is the second part of this conversation. Well,
0: speaking of power and clergy, would it be all right if I combined two questions uh, all right. that, that women have brought up um, mm. of feeling uh, as, a, as a real impediment to staying mm. in the community known as Christianity? Mm. There's a question from Laura uh, in Oregon who talks about uh, being almost a 60-year-old cradle Catholic woman who's been in spiritual direction for many years. My question is, what about us and women like me? We're angry, we're hurt, we're frustrated by our church. We're in the stage of life where we feel like we're doing the work of the second half of life but we're not even heard by our church. I have left and returned over and over again. I'm not alone. Many of my friends have left and our daughters have left as well. Where do we go for the next 20 years? And she's referring to your statement that maybe it would take 20 years for the Catholic Mm. Church to be ordaining Mm. women. And Erica from Phoenix asks a similar question. She says, you know, I come from an explicitly patriarchal background uh, in Mormonism, in her case. And one of my great spiritual struggles of the last five years has been to try to rewrite the negative associations of a punitive patriarchal God in my heart and mind. As I've begun connecting with the feminine side of God through Richard's teachings about Christ's feminine soul and by participating in women's circles, I feel the lack of feminine God in my religion even more not only is the female side of God not present, but it's taboo. How can women find ways to connect with this feminine side of God while we wait the 20 to 50 years it will likely take Mm -hmm. our religions to begin embracing the feminine divine while not passing on patriarchy to our kids? both these questions were just, I mean, two examples of many, of so many women who wrote in and said, what, how are we supposed to continue participating In a religion that essentially continues to dismiss us mm. and devalue us as not being equals, of not being worthy of being vessels of mm. God.
2: This is huge, huge. I think women need some real feminine elders. And, and by that, I do not mean simply seeking priesthood. Because priesthood, more often than not, at this point, is going to be buying this whole notion of Christianity that has to go, in my opinion, <laughs> in its present form. But this is why we're so eager to follow, read, allow a different piece of theater and novels and writings and poetry written by women uh, and the... In this sifting process, women elders are going to emerge. Maya Angelou was one for many Black women. It didn't have to be Black.
0: Clarissa Pincola Estes, with the yes, women who run yes. with the wolves, I, another I wrote clear one.
2: <laughs> a few months back, um, because we can't simply think that the angry woman is the answer even though she must go through that, she must be allowed that, but that's still disorder. <laughs> How can we allow women to go through the disorder stage of a unnecessary anger, unnecessary cynicism about all patriarchy and all Christianity, and then come back with a softened heart toward everybody? That's an elder. <laughs> And we have to allow such women like that to emerge. The only way they're going to emerge is by breaking the rules. <laughs> and they're, they're only going to be allowed to break the rules by leaving our presently constructed Sunday system. Mm. Uh, and what they have to be careful about, and it's just my opinion, is not replicating... The same system in feminine form. The the reform we're asking for is much more radical than feminizing the Christianity as we have known it. Mm. And and, uh, we've seen some, I haven't seen a lot to be honest, but some first-generation women priests who bought the whole system as it is and want to dress up, and want to have power, and want to be right. That's exactly not the gospel. But I have to say, most of the women ministers I've met have not been that way. Mm-hmm. They're doing it in a different way. They're walking a very thin path. of, Okay, I can wear the clothes, accept the title, do the liturgy if your denomination has that but do it in a more maternal, healing, transformative way. So have courage, women, uh, and and go to the angry point. I think it's a necessary thing for a while, but don't stay there. And you can spot the cynic in the first 10 minutes, you know, when their underlying energy is still... Cynicism, need to prove I'm right, need to have my wounds feel uh, healed. Uh, uh, and you can tell they haven't been healed yet. When you're still playing the victim too much or at all, playing the victim isn't good. This is what patriarchy did to me. This is what the Catholic Church, the Baptist Church did to me. You better name that. You better feel that. You better suffer that. And you better be healed from that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean by disorder leading to the reordered stage. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the years where that must be allowed. And that must be risked. And uh, all the insecurity that comes with it. Yeah, Because now I'm not sure of a paycheck. Now I'm not sure of public status. Uh, Now I'm not sure of a denomination ordaining me or affiliating with me. But again, I have met so many ordained women in the Episcopal Church, Methodist Church, who somehow walked that narrow road. They're not angry. They're healing presence, femininity at its best.
0: I think you name it well by... um exhorting the need for courage. Mm. Because yeah. I do think we're living in a time where I appreciate your distinction. I appreciate that you're saying that, that the path for feminine leadership necessarily needs to look differently, look differently. Than, yeah. than what it has looked in the patriarchal structure. And I think about my own journey, part of what allowed me to relax my anger and cynicism Is some of the historical work that's been done around Mary Magdalene that you bring up in your own book Mm. the recognition that you know historically we may have missed a big critical important chunk of who Mm. Jesus was Mm. in being so countercultural and so revolutionary Mm. um, Mm. and to be such a seer of soul that he may have completely entrusted many women plural but you know one woman in particular as his disciple and how much. How I just I, it's it's shocking to me that we've missed that.
2: It really um, is. It's, that we've missed it's the central role of ignorance at this yeah, point. Yeah, that
0: right there at the center of the gospels was this courageous woman, and I think that you know the center is is doing some work around that with a an uh, online course on Mary Magdalene, which was really helpful. But I also appreciate Richard that you're naming artists. You're saying. Oh. Maybe this path of leadership in Christianity is gonna look like the poets. It's gonna Mm. look like the storytellers.
1: Right. And I think too of we just lost Rachel Held Evans as a
2: someone who walked that path and
1: was that redeeming prophetic voice. Yeah. Yeah. In the evangelical world. And like what a model of someone who's who's holding and towing that line of embodied power and wisdom. Mm
2: -hmm. When will we get that the gospel is woundedness healed, Mm. not woundedness avoided. (laughs) Uh, and, And the people who've gone into the fire and come out of it positive and hopeful again, not cynical and angry at a high level. This is the work of grace, unique work of grace. But when those women emerge in even greater numbers than they already have, I think we will have an argument for female ordination Mm -hmm. that has become so strong, it will be hard to deny.
0: Mm -hmm. I I think we're already there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I I think that's part of the grief of recognizing that institutions are too slow and they are, as you've said, too Mm -hmm. big to fail. But I find so much hope in the examples of women who are leading in a different way. And also just to address the concern of one of the questions about how do we not pass it on to our kids, mm. I think that um, the invitation to courage, Richard, is what allows me as a mother to imagine new ways of talking about the gospel with my kids, mm. new ways of, of allowing them to experience God in nature, which is inherently feminine. Yeah. Um, to Mother ma- Earth. To make a point, to refer to God in in many pronouns. Mm. I mean, these are all small steps that we can take as parents, but I think they make such a huge impact in the long term. Um, Having just recently celebrated Easter with my kids, the fact that uh, there was a Mary Magdalene movie that came out right around the same time, it was just amazing because I sat and watched it with my kids. and they Did your little boys watch it, huh? they did. Yeah, and... um, (laughs) It now has given them. You know, you talk about the importance of personification.
2: Yes, they yes. now
0: have this visual of this badass disciple right. who was courageous, who was there, who was willing to give everything to live this message of love out. Yes, and I think all I can do is keep planting those seeds, knowing mm. and trusting that the next generations are gonna they're gonna get it better than we did.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's a message too to the the men as well that this is not just the mantle that mm. that women should be taken up on their own that men also need to support and at times step down and get out of the way yeah. well. mm-hmm. <laughs> to be able to to allow a flourishing yeah. um, I don't mean allow from a power stance but like to support, support it. it it's 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 coming and it's it's happening and let's celebrate that versus um, trying to maintain a status quo that is So old and rickety in a way.
0: and I think, uh, kind of, as a final point to this to this topic, good points. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) Is the recognition of um, the fact that patriarchy hurts us all. In other words, including the patriarch. Yes, Yes. including maybe most especially. Yes, (laughs) and I I think that's an important part of our healing um, and and our hopefully our cultural transitioning is to see. The wounds that have been created in this for men as well. Mm. Mm -hmm. The limitations and the storylines and the damage that it creates for everybody. And I think that's also part of what allows us to relax from the grief and the pain Mm. that we carry um, toward our uh, institutional churches.
1: Yeah. That'll preach. (laughs) Mm. Um, And so shifting with these kind of ideas of new leadership and new flourishing uh there's a question from patty about community she says in this episode where you talked about the church it often doesn't i often don't see the universal christ and many people wait how am i saying this maybe it's just the way it's written let me start over
0: you talked about how the church often doesn't see the universal christ yeah many people aren't church that who aren't churched do yes that's right okay
1: there there we go go. yeah Uh, so many people in the church don't see the universal Christ, and many people who aren't churched do. do. <laughs> I want to know, how do we find community with others who see and love the universal Christ? I think community is important, and my experience at the conference, I'm guessing she's re- referencing the universal Christ conference, confirmed that Confirmed that intuition, but when I returned to my rural area, I was without much support.
2: Maybe the first thing I'd have to say is it doesn't have to be called Christ by these people. It probably won't be. You know, when I went down to the border last month and stopped at several different uh, refugee centers, um, we were told, uh, our only preaching allowed here, because so many people come in wanting to save these poor refugees who are merely surviving, is what we do for them we normally evo- now this was several of them were very Catholic they had statues of Jesus and statues of Mary but they said the statues stand there so we don't have to verbally lay any kind of message on people beyond being Jesus instead of talking about Jesus and they were real clear about that there is to be no preaching to people um, so if you can accept that first of all then you're going to have the eyes to see Christ in people who don't use Christ language in people who don't uh, uh, say it our way at all but you just see them as people inside the flow that why are they caring about this cause at such great length you know as you all know, I like to watch nature shows, and there's uh, there's two different levels. There's these vet shows of vets who just will go out of their way to take care of a little wounded parrot. Wow. <laughs> you know, it just softens my heart to see this caring for a parrot. And then at the bigger level, uh, there's one on the Bronx Zoo. Maybe you've seen it. And whole teams of people caring for kangaroos or giraffes or whatever it might be, but urgently concerned about, uh, you know, improving this, their life so that this species can continue. And they found some strange bird from Madagascar. There's only four of them left. Now, why would you care about a bird from Madagascar? That's a caring that not logical. It isn't sensical even, you know. And I must say it's usually women, not always. Two-thirds of the teams seem to be women caring about these birds and these animals. That's Christ energy. It's fully, it's, if it's caring energy, if it's outflowing energy, it's Christ. So uh, we got to get away from our idolatry of words and learn how to recognize energies. That is not New Age. That's the Holy Spirit. If you can't recognize energies, you can't recognize the Holy Spirit. Really, (laughs) why are we we're tied to our words and people who use our words? Mm. So um, I think that's the best answer I can give to that. If you can disconnect yourself from people who use your words and start recognizing where the flow is at, where the spirit is flowing, I think you'll find there's a lot of places you can create church. Mm. Mm. Maybe you got to join the Bronx Zoo. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> join <laughs> it, an animal initiative. <laughs> well, it's, once you see it, it's common sense. But I know that's me talking. Maybe mm-hmm. other people don't see it that way. But I've met too many people in church where there is no flow. Yeah. yeah. They can't be extracted from the third pew at the 8 o'clock mass every morning, every Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. This is, and if someone else is sitting there, they glare at them. You know, this is not flow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is not the future. Yeah.
1: This- this is bringing up a story for me. When I was in grad school, Damn. I was uh, living at a Catholic Worker house while I was uh, working on my, on my master's. And when I was taking my doctrinal class, I just fell in love with the doctrine of the Trinity, just like did you heels overhead. And then, so you
2: didn't need me. See, well, you helped give <laughs> that shape to it. And then when,
1: I remember after that particular class, going back to the Catholic Worker house where you know the guests are all men who are homeless and in between spaces. Uh. And I was asked to pray uh, over the meal. And I gave the most beautiful Trinitarian, doctrinally just. Correct. correct. And after I was done, one of the guests said to me, Paul, do you know what I pray for? And I was like, oh, I, I really touched his heart. You know, like the Trinity just flowing through me to him. And he said, I pray that my boss gets killed this weekend because of the oppressive work that she was putting on him. Mm. And what I recognized in that moment was that I was letting the language, even though it was all correct, sure, but I sure. was not in the flow with him. Yeah, I yeah. was trying to prove way to put it. my yeah. language and put it upon him versus just participating mm. where we were at in that mm. flow. And it was like that lesson of the Trinity yeah. hit me in the face harder than anything else i would learned in any classroom.
2: I remember a similar experience as a young priest using the word glory. Uh. And someone said to me, you know, nobody uses that word. (laughs) What does it mean, glory? Uh, I said, yeah, I guess it isn't helpful. And he wasn't being unkind or anything. but We don't know what you're talking about when you talk about glory. (laughs) Maybe you say they should, but... You, you, to love people is to accept them where they're at. Yeah. Nothing else is going to feel like love. Mm-hmm. So do you really care for that person or do you not? Is your job to get them where you're at or to meet them where they're at? And I think that's the reason Jesus has his ministry all being itinerant on the move, Mm -hmm. not setting up an office and hanging a shingle so you come to us. I mean, this is pretty clear in the whole New Testament. Mm -hmm. He is on the road, moving into different worlds. And our notion of church is just the opposite. We build a big building, come to us. And I'm not saying that makes it wrong, but it's created a mindset that we've got it and you don't, and come to us, and we'll give it to you like it's a, a product. Yeah. Oh, I don't know how we're going to turn this around. It's already being turned around in the twelve-step movement, mm. in in so many these smaller movements that care about the growth and the change and the healing of people. Mm.
0: Yeah. This brings up a. Um... A question about our, our preciousness, about r- our religious institution, though, you know, in some ways, it's like, how do we maintain the edge of the inside while moving forward <laughs> and letting go of, of some of what hasn't been as helpful? Um, how do we how do we create community in a new way? I guess. And mm-hmm. Paul uh, from the UK asks that question. He says, "I think the next step forward for contemplatives is developing community." I think it is so important that we do this, however, without falling into traps of formalized religion, helping, praying, eating, spiritual direction, socializing with each other. Has Father Richard any suggestions how this could be implicated? I would love to see a future where we have at least one lay contemplative community in each city, town, around the world that anyone of any belief or need can call upon.
2: As long as that contemplative community is encouraging people to help pray, eat, spiritually direct people in other communities instead Mm. of the whole goal being come and join our community. You know, this is very ironic. How does God... The only church in the world where I ever preached where there are a whole bunch of Muslims in full dress sitting in the front row, was in Leeds, England, (laughs) where this man is from. And it was due to the wonderful minister who was there who himself loved uh, Islamic people and went to their services. And he said, you don't need to be afraid of Richard Rohr. And there they were. But I have to admit, I was a little intimidated. Although he told him, you don't need to be afraid of them. But the full outfits... Uh, This was not my world that I was familiar with. And I I still was afraid I'd use words that would offend them or use words that they wouldn't understand. But it was in the very city that, that Paul is from here. How interesting. So what if we had churches that really gave as our commission, next Sunday don't come back here. But you go to the Methodist, you go to the Lutheran, you go to the mosque, and that's your church next week. If we could, as ministers, legitimate that. Wow. Uh, Until we start meeting the other, I I don't know what good religion is going to do for the world. Mm -hmm. It's always creating these closed groups. And I know we all like our closed group. But this isn't getting us anywhere. It really isn't. So, Paul is asking the right question that magical name, Paul. They just always <laughs> are steps ahead of everybody else. Mm. We have two Pauls in the room here. Um, I think it is so important that we do this without falling into traps of formalized religion. I, I'd say, I'd add to that, localized religion. Mm and keep picturing jesus sending the apostles mm. now i know this seems strange here i am a, a catholic priest i have mass here on the corner and so sunday morning i, I did say this ironically something like this the last two sundays go ahead
1: i, I was recording something with jim finley for the living school the other week and he said, you know, when you start following that Christ energy, you start seeing what Roner called hidden Christians everywhere. Yes. But you also have to be okay with the fact that Hindus might be seeing you as a, a hidden Hindu hidden in Hindu. that same way, where <laughs> you can <laughs> honor the way that they see you, well, well, hopefully they can honor the way that you are seeing mm-hmm. them participating in that same mystery.
0: Mm-hmm. I wanna ask as well, as we're kind of beginning to wrap up this mm-hmm. episode, is the need for belonging I think in our postmodern society, there's all of our institutions have, or are in the midst of collapsing, and so there's a. They really are. That's not being
1: rude. No, it's just it is. It is
0: is what it is. But I think (laughs) that part of what's happening then is that there's a real absence of communities of belonging and people are craving that, they're missing that. that. They're hearkening back in a nostalgic way to the days when church was church and community (laughs) was community. And so I think, I just wanna name that to say that I think this is a very real need that we have as human beings um, and that we're in a liminal space where that need isn't directly or uh, clearly met in the ways that it was before. Mm Uh, And I don't know that I have a question except to state that and see if that resonates, because I do feel that's that's part of why we feel so torn about church.
2: The need for community in this lonely, isolated, individualistic culture is so deep that bars have become community. Mm -hmm. Rock concerts have become community. Theater going has become community. Well... Here's some like-minded people who enjoy I feel safe because we all go to the theater or whatever your community might be. But um, if we don't recognize that's what's happening, I don't think we'll be able to be patient with a lot of people who frankly aren't looking for God, which, which I'd call the waking up level, the third level. They're still at the growing up level which is finding out who I am. And i got to find out what's good about being a young man with tattoos and who likes rock concerts. (laughs) Uh, Now the trouble is, just as I'm going to critique the church for so often staying at the cleaning up level, a lot of people stay there through rock concerts and bars. Uh, I can equally criticize them. Is there anything beyond your rock concert, and your fellow tattooed friends. <laughs>
0: the people who are like you. you Is there know, anything beyond? The people beyond... who are like
2: you. that You're yeah. always creating sameness again, mm-hmm. and I only feel safe inside of sameness. If, if the, the guy with the tattoo, nothing against tattoos. Hey, you're real, really going
0: <laughs> for the tattoos, Richard. Are you saying you want to get one later? Or
2: what? Can't uh, love little white ladies who still hate gay people, or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, uh, he isn't growing up either. So we've got to preach this same universal Christ, this same universal gospel, equally to everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's equally offensive to all of us because it tells us to meet the other. And it's in meeting the other that you meet the Christ when you allow him to be precisely other. Mm-hmm. And don't try and pulling them into we, uh, into me, excuse mm-hmm. me, or we. Mm-hmm. And knowing that we is just usually an extension of me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I think, too, of an, another teacher that we just lost, of Jean Vanier.
0: I was just thinking about it. Yeah.
1: the vulnerability of belonging and mm. the conditions that he was helping yes. create. to Brilliantly. I mean, but it included all the stages, right? Like from, from those who it. were living there to <sighs> those who were supporting presences. and, and um, I He know was that, never
2: judgmental.
1: Yeah. I was wondering yeah. if you could speak to him, uh, his presence oh, in that as well. That's perfect. About creating community. With him just passing.
2: I, did, I told you, didn't I? I lived with him for a week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and I saw that holiness, that humility, that receptivity. I mean, he even was equally forgiving and accepting of me. I was so young then, this hotshot priest from America. But he didn't judge me either. I I hope I wasn't too hotshot, but I got to be good friends with his mother because I saw that her ability to be very maternal must have been the energy that first made him the man. He is today. So I actually spent more time with her than Mm -hmm. I did with him that week. But it was an entire community that that sort of oozed love. And yet, boy, they didn't compromise their Catholic Eucharistic faith. The Eucharist was exposed in a beautiful little chapel filled with candles. Um, And I saw these people going in and out of that little chapel all day. So they didn't compromise at all on the contemplative part Mm -hmm. of the action and contemplation. And yet much of the rest of the day was working with people who frankly were difficult to work with. The disabled, the mentally limited, if I can say that. Uh, I, I, I had to ask myself that whole week, could I do this? My, my world travels would probably make it a very small world for me. Could I just be happy here living with Adam? Which is the one that uh, Henry Nouwen connected with. I, I'm not sure I could. So it made me aware of my littleness, my, my poverty was my inability to do what they were doing. So I I think it's experiences like that which help us all to recognize many gifts, many ministries. I could honor and love theirs because they so totally welcomed and honored mine. It was a community of love. I think it's still, how many in the world now?
1: So many. It's hard for me even to know. I know they're all over the globe. I heard
2: sixty at once. Wow! But I think it's gone higher than that. Yeah. Lars. They saw yeah. themselves as the ark on the waves of history, carrying the truth of love. Amazing! Mm-hmm.
1: Amazing. I think it really does speak to the way that community can can look different from what I think that Very good. folks try to create when it you know it's got to be this progressive it's got to use this Mm. kind of cool name or whatever but like Mm. to really go where's the the vulnerability of the world that we can all connect to that will often create community in a much more authentic way i think than rallying around uh CrossFit or some sort of you know like the way that that other communities are, are that you're saying are sparking up around theater groups or fitness centers or bars. Fitness centers. Uh, that's another one. There's that's something that. that that's really true about going to the vulnerable places that brings right. together.
0: Well, and it just is such a um, an embodiment of Jesus's entire message, which mm-hmm. is the kingdom of God is is encountered in the purity of love, experienced with the other, mm-hmm. and the other being those who are most marginalized and excluded from our society, those who are most vulnerable have so much to teach us and they have so much to gift us with in terms of the eyes to see, the hearts to perceive and um, uh, the capacity to live in a completely different way, like to rewire how we think, you know. I think that my own um, limited experiences of those kinds of encounters have... uh, rendered me a completely different person than who I was before, oh. and that—that that, that is the the wonder of um, of that connecting to the other. And I appreciate the distinction you're making, Richard, which is that mm. you know popular community is oriented entirely. Ab- Toward how can I find the people who are exactly like me? Yeah, self-growth. And I, I think what you're saying is that like let's not make the same mistake with this Mm. concept of the universal Christ or even contemplation. Mm. Let's not just run toward everybody who's like us. You know, if if you're a millennial listening to this, don't just run to the other millennials who are reading the universal Christ and want to have a prayer sit. Mm. Like, how can we move toward um, inclusion of otherness as what we're doing?
2: When we make the doorway vulnerability, let's just use that word, this is what Francis was trying to do by going down and living with the leopards. You gather a completely different kind of clientele. And I'm not accusing mega churches, but I do almost have to use that as a contrast. When it's all beautiful, white, successful, singing, happy people. The doorway is pretty wide. Uh, and I'm not saying those are bad people, but you're going to get a whole different notion of church. Mm-hmm. When you make it the access point, what we Franciscans called poverty, uh, you gather some mighty people. And I know the large communities I've visited, that's what I've met, really solid people just sitting there with depth and beauty and conviction invariably non-judgmental invariably not in need of being showy it, it really is a judgment on almost all the rest mm-hmm. of us who've created a success oriented religion even spiritual success. And we each define spiritual success <laughs> yes. in, in yeah. our own way. Yeah. Oh, God. God must be so patient with us all.
1: Yeah. In, in light of this conversation and I'm thinking about the collective and, and how do we speak to this universal Christ in a way that can, can unify, um, this question was interesting. It came from Claudia in Kansas City about a new, cre- about a new creed. As I study more of your work, Richard, I get more unhappy with reciting the Nicene Creed at church. Have you thought about writing a creed that better expresses what it means to believe in the universal Christ? Or is there a creed out there that you like? What are your thoughts on this? No, (laughs) no. Do it, do it. (laughs) Uh,
2: I can totally agree. Just this past Sunday, they just mumbled through the Nicene Creed as fast as they could. So I know this is having no effect on them or the world. It's just a lesson memorized, as Jesus says. And yet the point of a creed is unity. So she's probably asking a legitimate question. Are there a set of words? That would allow people to unify I I think if I can dare say this as a Franciscan I think for much of the Christian world the so-called prayer of St. Francis is one of those Mm. it's just there's nothing in here I can disagree with there's nothing in here that I can't say isn't the gospel Lord make me an instrument of your peace not trying to get people to join my Franciscan club, but it's going to have to be of that nature. It won't be appealing to the head, but to the behavior and the heart. Mm-hmm. And that's what the peace bearer of St. Francis does. It's just, why would anybody fight this? Mm-hmm. But when you have words like, consubstantial with the Father, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, please don't do this to humanity. Mm-hmm. You don't care about... The person living in a little village in Africa or Latin America, or you wouldn't talk that way. Mm-hmm. So this is a creed for theologians, which they have a right to have. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And may yeah. I make the distinction? It's a creed for male
2: theologians. Yeah, <laughs> that's right too. You know, I mean, I—that's I, absolutely true. I remember
0: yeah. being at a conference with Ilia Delio where we were talking about the. The potentiality of the future of Christianity and evolution, and where this could all go. And it was this wild, uh, life giving. Experience of um, imagining what could be possible? What could this look like? What if we need to let go of certain aspects of our religiosity? What if we don't need to be precious about our creeds and our words?
2: Precious. You know. And then good. we ended the
0: whole thing with a Catholic service where the, the Nicene Creed was being
2: <laughs> <recited>. <laughs> was being recited, and I just
0: stood there and I couldn't do it. I mm. couldn't do it. And I was just looking at Ilya and she was saying it because she's, you know Ilya and she's good and non-dual whatever and she's looking at me and she kind of winked like knowing Mm -hmm. like you know and I think in some ways what I feel Claudia pointing at is the fact that we forget that we're participating in this tradition Mm. we in our creeds uh sometimes put a period at the end of the sentence that isn't really there Mm. maybe we do need to write new creeds maybe we do need to let the old creeds go maybe creeds aren't helpful maybe it's poetry that will say it better mm-hmm. with the language of the heart mm-hmm. but either way what i feel is that sense of there could be more we could we might sure. have something else to right. say now sure. that there's more of us involved
1: <laughs> I, I even think was it gandhi he would read the sermon on the mount every morning right? or, really? Or something really like, like i know he loved it ways yeah. to highlight other things um, as ways that we can speak to the heart and yes, the body and the mind yes. that help us integrate yes. these core themes right
2: Well, the only time the Nicene Creed rang true to me was my first visit to Rome. Talk about the ultimate establishment church. And I went into this mammoth church, and the huge organ was playing, Credo in Unum Deum, I Believe in One God. And I was surrounded by Asians and Africans and Americans the Latinos and Someone with tears, I believe. in. It was just such a mar... This is Catholicism. You know, it, it was James Joyce who, was the, who said, Catholicism is here comes everybody. Now <laughs> that kind of Catholicism I uh, needs now to be named as Catholic and not in a mental way. But it, this is monotheism at its best. I believe in one God. Oh, it was beautiful, just beautiful, precisely because the church was filled with people from all over the world, you know. But then we probably all went back to our parochial little (laughs) churches in Columbia and Indiana. That's the way it works. God is so patient. But uh, thanks, Claudia, for saying this. You know, I'm from close to Kansas City, so... You're my kind of world.
1: (laughs) Well, thanks, Richard, uh, Um, for walking around all these different themes and as we try to imagine what we can be and the potential of how we can participate in the universal Christ. Thanks for mm -hmm. being such a lightning rod and and wisdom keeper and seeker with us. We really appreciate it.
2: I hope it helps somebody. That's all I can ever say. Mm -hmm. I hope it helps somebody. Thank you for being such good somebody. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Richard. And that's it for today's episode of Another Name for Everything with Richard Rohr. This podcast is produced by the Center for Action and Contemplation. Thanks to the generosity of our donors.
0: The beautiful music you're listening to is provided by Bird Talker. If you're enjoying this podcast, consider rating it, writing a review, or sharing it with a friend to help create a bigger and more inclusive community. To learn more about Father Richard and to receive his free daily meditations in your electronic mailbox, visit cac.org.
1: To learn more about the themes of the universal Christ, visit universalchrist.org.
0: From the high desert of New Mexico, we wish you peace and every good.